Hi, this is Terry Dismore, and you're listening to the Quiz the Diz podcast. Terry brings years of experience in consulting, management, leadership, and life. In this podcast, Terry answers questions about these topics, bringing wisdom from a kingdom perspective. Our website is quizthediz.com. Now here's the Diz. So full disclosure, you should know that I am recording this before the election on the 8th. I wanted you to know that because I have some things to say about the run-up to the election, and I didn't want to be influenced by the outcome, okay? Here's the thing that I want to know. Why is it that it seems that everywhere I look, we have advertisements to remind us to vote? I was watching an NBA game, inadvertently, I might add, the other night, and there were advertisements on the bottom of the screen all the time, nba.com slash elections. Like, I'm not coming to the NBA to give me information on why I should elect somebody or how to vote. I don't go to the NBA. I don't go to baseball. I don't go to football. I don't go any of these places looking for instruction on how to vote. So the question still remains, why is it that we need to be told when to vote? Well, I think I have an answer, and because this is Quiz the Diz, I I wanted to give it to you. So here we go. I think part of the answer goes back to the misunderstanding of what citizenship is. For instance, right now, I would ask a lot of people that I know, do you know what the benefit of being an American citizen is? Now, most of us say, well, I get vote. Well, there was a vote on the table in Ohio this last time that was whether we should let non-citizens vote. The answer to that to me is no, non-citizens should not be able to vote. There has to be a benefit to citizenship. Now, I know in the kingdom of heaven, we talk about that along uh, a lot here on Quiz That Is, there is a benefit to being a citizen, and that is you get all the rights and benefits of being in the kingdom of God when you give your heart to Jesus. Well, we don't teach that in church usually. Usually most churches are like, well, let's just get you saved, and then we'll get you across the finish line. Everything will be okay. It's kind of the same way in the United States sometimes today with voting. It's like, why are, why is there a need to ask anybody if somebody that's not a citizen should be able to vote? The answer, again, should be no. Now, I'm not trying to be rude or crude or socially unacceptable. I'm trying to be honest about it. When I was a kid, and that's been a few years back, I went to grade school from 67 to 73, graduated in 79. We had civics classes. I had civics classes in Kentucky. I had civics classes in Indiana. Kentucky was where I went to grade school. Indiana's where I went to high school. I was taught in those things that our form of governance, which is not a democracy, it's a republic, our form of governance required citizen participation of voting. Now, when our government first started back in the 1700s, only white males could vote, and then only white males that owned property. So it wasn't everybody that could vote. And over a period of time, over a couple of hundred years, we added the right of suffrage, or what uh, they call the franchise, to everybody. So that now everybody that's a citizen, 18 years or older, can vote in the national election. I don't have any problem with that. But what winds up, when, and I'll tell you why I think we have to remind people to vote, is because everybody can, and a lot of people think it doesn't matter. Well, let me tell you something. I really believe that it does matter. I believe that we need to have an influence 
on our country. Now, if you've noticed so far, I've not told you how I voted or what I voted for or anything like that, and I'm not going to now. I think that you need to be informed by many places on what you need to vote for and what you may be voting against. I would really always rather vote for somebody than against somebody. And let me tell you why. From a kingdom of God perspective, first of all, the kingdom of God is always progressing. Now, that sounds like progressivism. It is not. Progressivism in today's context, is a humanist idea. It is not a God idea. But the kingdom of God is always progressing. In other words, it's always taking new ground. And so we need to keep in mind that that's what we need to do when we vote is take new ground. But it also means that we need to conserve, now again, not conservatism, but we need to conserve the values that our country was built on. Now, a lot of places are teaching today that our country was built on racism and it was built on slavery and it was built on greed and all these kind of things. But if you go back to the founding documents, you'll find that all of them referred to a greater cause. All of them referred to a greater being, God, that was influencing how those documents were written. And so what you have is you've taken those things out when you take the uh, civics classes out of the class and just begin to teach on what's wrong about something, then people are going to vote according to what they've been told is wrong. That usually continues until you start to have a family or until you start to make some decent money and you find out a lot of your income goes out in taxes, and you find out that your family's not well treated, and you find out that there are forces at work in this country, as a matter of fact, in the entire world, that want to take uh, all of the family idea out of government. They want to take all of church out of government. Well, you may say, well, wait a minute. I don't want a theocracy. I'm not talking about theocracy. I hear people say that all the time. They're like, well, I don't really want a theocracy. Well, I'm not talking about a theocracy. I don't want somebody, I'm not electing a pastor when I vote for president or senator or governor. I'm not asking for that. I remember back in uh, several years ago, there was a guy running for uh, president that was of a different faith than I am. And, I, and everybody's like, well, I, I couldn't vote for him. And I'm like, I'm not voting for a pastor. I'm voting for a president. We seem to get those mixed up. It's like, I I don't need the president to tell me how to think. I need the president to be somebody that understands the foundations of this country, and I want him to understand the foundations of this country like I understand the foundations of this country. Now, you can look at how we've gone through a lot of things over the years. I mean, we did fight a bloody civil war over the argument of slavery, and the North won that. Slavery was canceled because of the civil war. So we fought that already. We don't need to keep fighting that. I know what some people's background was, and I know their ancestors were in slavery. Hey, you want to know the truth? If you're Jewish, your your ancestors were in slavery. A lot of people are in slavery. As a matter of fact, there's more slavery going on on the earth today than there ever has been. But we don't talk about that because it doesn't suit the racial overtones of what we want to talk about. Now, in case you haven't guessed already, I'm a white guy. All right, And the reason I say that isn't because 
Oh, really? I, I would have never guessed. Well, the reason I say it is because I'm told I can't have an opinion on this. Well, I have an opinion on it. I'm going to have that opinion on it. I'm going to keep having that opinion on it. But here's who's entitled to my opinion. Me. Nobody else. And that's true of your opinions as well. That's true of everybody's opinions. Nobody is entitled to make me think the way they think. No. And so when we run into problems over over the years in our country, it's because we've had a group of people that want to tell everybody else how to live. Now, in my case, I'm not only a white guy, I'm a Christian. So I've got, uh, you know, in today's society, it seems that I have two strikes against me. I like to think of it this way. I have two strikes for me because here's the first thing. As a, as a white male, I know that there are certain things that, that probably come to me that don't come to other people. I understand that. But I, I can't expect that. Uh, and But that's how it works. That's how I live. And I don't know how to go, well, I, I can't do that. Because what people want to do today, I think, a lot of times is for me to denounce who I am. No, I don't want you to denounce who you are, and I'm not going to denounce who I am. I'm going to say, this is who I am. This is the way I understand things. I don't understand the way you see things. As a matter of fact, let me tell you a quick story. Uh, after the last election in 2020, we were having a conversation with our church daughter, and she's a great lady. I really enjoy talking to her. Her name's Tracy. And Tracy said, well, I really think that they should abolish the Electoral College. And I asked her why. And she said, well, I just think it, it, it doesn't work right. It does, it's not good. These are not the way to do things. Because a couple of times in our lifetime, in my lifetime, we've had the Electoral College decide who the president was going to be. Well, the Electoral College didn't decide. The people decided who the, the president was going to be. But they worked through the Electoral College. And I asked her, I said, Tracy, do you know why that's set up that way? And she's like, well, no, not really. I don't know why that's set up that way. And I said, well, let me explain it to you. When the government was set up, when the Constitution was set up in the 1700s, we had three branches of government. We had the legislature, we had the judiciary, and we had the executive branch, right? And she said, oh, yeah, absolutely. I said, do you understand how those three are elected? And she said, well, I know the legislative branch, the House is elected, and the Senate are elected by popular vote. And I said, that's right, except it hasn't always been that way. And I went on to explain to her that in the past, until 1913, senators were elected by the state legislators. So senators of the United States were really representatives of the state interests. Okay, legislators or House members were all supposed to be representing 36, 37,000 people. It's wound up being a lot more than that now because, frankly, they don't have the room for all of them in Washington, D.C. Right now, what is there, 435? They couldn't get them all in the room if we had one for every 36 people. There'd be about 10,000 legislators in Congress right now, and it just that would not work. So they've adjusted that over the years. And then the judiciary is appointed by the president, but uh, what they call advise and consent of the Senate. So you're taking the legislative branch in the Senate, and they're advising and consenting to the appointments of the president. And most generally, over the last 250 years or so, the people that the president has wanted to appoint, the Senate has gone along with because they feel like, you know what, this, the president's the president. If they're qualified, even if we don't agree with them, we're going to do it. But in the last several elections, we've seen massive 
upset and angst about who this president might appoint to the Supreme Supreme Court or who this president might appoint here or there. Well, but that's how our system works. Now, I didn't explain all this to her then, but I'm, I am going into it now because there's a reason that things were set up that way. So if you think about it, we had a popularly elected House of Representatives. We had a Senate that was appointed by the state legislators. We had a president that was elected by a combination of both. So in the Electoral College, the population elects a group of people that then go and elect the president. And uh, frankly, that's worked, I think it's four times in the history of our country that there's been a popular vote that was less than the electoral college vote. Well, people don't like that because sometimes their candidate doesn't get in. So I asked Tracy this question. I said, let me ask you this. I knew at the time she was running an office in California. And I said, Tracy, here's a quick question for you. Do you like the way things are going in your office in California and the rules and regulations and all that that you have to put up with in California? And she's like, oh, my gosh, no, I, I hate it. It's just so much red tape, and there's so many laws and rules and all this. And I said, imagine if that was national, because if you get to the point that you have a popular election of a president, what you're going to wind up with is California, Illinois, Texas, Florida, New York, they're going to elect our president every year. That's what's going to happen. And frankly, they won't have to campaign anywhere else because they won't need those votes. You know, you've seen the map of the whole big map of the United States and all the red counties and all the blue counties. And a lot of times it's three quarters of the country is in red and little pockets are in blue. Yeah, that's right. But it is where those little pockets are where the big election numbers are, not the electoral members. So an electoral college number out of a state is equal to its number of legislators. So if you're like uh, the state of Ohio, I don't really know how many legislators we have. I think it's 19, but I'm not sure of that. Counting the senators, we have 19 electors. And so those electors are supposed to vote proportionally, I believe it is, to who gets to be president. Well, there are people that want to do away with that. So now the question comes, why do they want to do away with it? Well, they want to do away with it because if you can get the mob to rule, then you can get people to only vote on emotion instead of thought. And emotion is easy to stir up. Thought is difficult. And that's why I think it's important that we remember why things were set up the way they were in the original thing. Why I don't think that it's a good idea to advertise to people to vote. I think people need to vote because they want to have skin in the game. They want to have some um, influence on who's going to lead them. And I really believe it's important for everybody, especially those that are believers, especially those that are Christians, to make sure that you vote. But I didn't want to tell you that before the election, because if you weren't doing your, uh, your due diligence, if you weren't studying and trying to make up your own mind who to vote for, I didn't want to influence you one way or the other. I just want to remind you that it's your civic duty as a citizen to vote. And I think that that civic duty should be limited to the citizens of the state and to the citizens of the United States. Well, that's a little bit different quiz that is podcast today, but I wanted to get that off my chest because I saw too many ads for people that, oh, go out and vote, go out and vote. No, you need to be involved enough in the system to know that you, that you know when election day is and you know when you can go and vote.
Well, listen, thanks for indulging me today. Our website is quizthediz.com. You can reach me there or at 614-382-2582, 614-382-2582, or terry at quizthediz.com. Subscribe to our podcast and make sure that you rate it on your favorite podcast app. And would you take a moment and let a friend of yours know about the Quiz That Is podcast. And remember, God has a plan for you and I believe for our nation, and we're here to help you find it. The Quiz That Is podcast is produced by Prosper Leadership. Our website is quizthediz.com or you can reach us at 614-382-2582. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe and let your friends know about Quiz the Diz. Quiz the Diz.